You guys can have a seat or keep standing. I don't care. I might point you out if you're standing though as like, that person is a true trendsetter. Anything's possible. All right, good morning. Are you awake? Let's stay with that then. That's good. All right. We're in our series, Good Stuff, and today we're talking about that time that Jesus started Kids Church. And so we're going to be talking about a childlike faith. And so I may throw in some, uh, you know, uh, as a parent, having eight children, 30-something years of experience, I might throw out a few things there about kids I've learned along the way um, that you won't like. But <laughs> I'm just kidding. And uh, so, but the main thing, our goal today is not to really learn how to be better parents. It's actually to learn how to be better kids. And so uh, I hope to have a lot of fun with it. I know that I had a lot of fun with it in the early service. Came and helped me in the early service, so you missed that. Uh, but it was, it was still a lot of fun. So Michael and kids. So I should be honest. It's always good when the pastor's a tad bit honest, right? Don't you hate it when a pastor says that? I'm going to be honest, like he's been lying the whole time before that. But. <laughs> anyway, um, okay, here it is. You ready? Actually, I love kids, but I'm grumpy. All right, it's just, that's just the truth. My, my grandkids, actually my wife has started calling me Grandpa. Not, not Grandpa, <laughs> Grandpa. So I have eight grandkids now, and now I'm Grandpa. So anyway, I, I love, but I love kids. I love their unique perspective. A few weeks ago, we were having lunch with the Pertelli family, and their two boys, Flint and Reed, were, I was at the kids' table, <laughs> because you, you, you know why, you know why. <laughs> So I'm down there with Flint and Reed, and we're talking back and forth. And I ask him the question, I'm like, so uh, what do you guys learn in school? What's your favorite subject? And so it was like opening the floodgates. And they told me their entire educational history right then. They're five, so it didn't take quite as long as you think. So, they, well, they were five. And so they're going through, and I'm like, do you like math? Do you like science? Their dad's a rock climber, so he talks to him about you know, things out in nature and so forth. And they're telling me all that stuff. And they're, I'm just getting all of it. And they're excited, you know. And then they say, and we're going to be six on Tuesday. Like that was part of the conversation. And it, anyway, so, but they were pretty excited about that. So it was, it was good. I love kids. And I, I try to be cool with teens. But it doesn't work for me. It, it doesn't. I try, man. I'm sorry, teens. I appreciate you being cool. Like, okay, he's the pastor. We cut him some slack. I appreciate it. Because I'm trying to like, hey, how you doing? And high five. And I miss and I hurt myself. Like you guys a while ago when Steve was doing that thing about, you know, the Lord and this here, and you were popping yourselves in the eye, and that one lady went down in the back. I mean, that's how I am with teenagers. And so, but usually they're pretty nice to me about it. So, so today we're going to talk about kids, and we're going to learn from them. I do want to start, I want to say something serious to, to Lee to begin, though. Uh, something to help us remember that we are here to minister to kids. And it's, it's this. The most oppressed people group on the planet is children. It's children. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a racist group. It's not a, a gender identity group. It's kids in general. Endure abuses that are just, uh, just not right. And, 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 and I, I really don't want to get open a can of worms or anything, but I'm going to you know, say this anyway. I don't think we can call ourselves a compassionate society when we allow the things that we allow to happen to children. I think we, we got to realize we got to protect our kids. So I think children should be protected. I think they should be eased into the world. 
Um, you're like, and some of this you may disagree with, and it's okay. Disagreeing with me is fine. Disagreeing with God, that's not fine. Um, I, I think children need to be taught responsibility, hope. Uh, I think they need to be taught about God. Uh, I think a lot of times we expect kids to know things they've never been taught. We expect them to learn in ways they can't learn. And so I just, as we, as we talk about kids, I do want to make some thoughts about how we could do a better job of being parents to kids and also being just a, a community that's around children. So I'll hit on a couple of those things as we work through our subject matter today. But today we're talking about the time that Jesus Christ started Kids Church. And so we are going to jump into Matthew 18, which is a text that, well, let's read the first verse and you'll see what it's about. This is what starts Kids Church, is this question. Matthew 18, verse 1. Here we go. At about that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? So everything we're talking about today, this is what predicates it. This is what begins the conversation. Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And so, obviously, when you hear that question come from the disciples, you are picking up on some motivators that are not admirable. You're like, okay, if they want to know who's the greatest, it's because they want to be the greatest. And you know how Jesus is. Jesus has a, a unique knack of coming at things from the perspective that you did not see coming. And so this is what he does. Because in, in Matthew 18, I grew up in an age where children were supposed to be seen and not heard. But it was even more so that way in Matthew 18. Here's a world that children were not supposed to be noticed even. And so Matthew 18, verse 1, who's the greatest in the kingdom? Look at what Jesus does. So Jesus calls a little child to him. And he puts the child among them, and then he said, hang on, before we read this, see that. Climb into the text. Use the imagination God gave you. The disciples ask a question. Jesus stops everything. And he goes and gets a child, and he physically walks this child into the midst of this circle of disciples. Okay? So you see that. And here's where he goes. I tell you the truth. Unless you turn from your sins... And become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. He's not talking about even the greatest yet. He says, unless you become like a child, you don't even get in the door. Okay? All right. So, verse 3. So, anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. But if you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Uh, pause. Does that sound a little harsh to you? A little dark? Okay. I mean, yeah. Okay, verse 7. What sorrow awaits the world because it tempts people to sin? Temptations are inevitable, but what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting? If your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better to enter eternal life with only one hand or one foot than to be thrown into eternal fire with both of your hands and feet. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better to enter eternal life with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. Beware that you don't look down on any of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven... Their angels are always in the presence of my heavenly Father. 
What a text. I know you're sitting there going, that sounds pretty brutal. <laughs> and it does. A millstone, gouging out eyes, cutting off hands. And I'm not focusing on those texts today, but what I do want you to see, and, and, and let me help you with this a little bit. If someone were to destroy the life of your child, what would you want to do to them? Right? Okay? So keep that in mind. And by the way, Jesus is using a form of speech called hyperbole, which is to use exaggeration. Okay? And so when he talks about cutting off hands and plucking out eyes, he's using extreme language to drive home a point. All right? And the point being, protect God's children. However, from this text we just read, we found out who the greatest is. And it's not the scholar, it's not the banker, it's not the wealthy. It's the child. All right? You with me so far? You still in the room? Okay. I just want to make sure you're still here. Linda's got me back there. All right. So let's jump into Matthew 19. So, Matthew 18, who's the greatest? We get this discussion about children. Matthew 19, look what happens. <clears throat> One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay hands on them and pray for them. Stop. Jesus in Matthew 18 had already had a discussion about who was the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, and he'd already brought a child into the midst of it. And now, we're just a, a chapter later, we don't know how much time later, but we have this account in Matthew where now parents are bringing their children to Jesus because they want their children to be blessed. Do you know what happens when children show up? Things get crazy. Things get interesting when you start inviting children into the mix. And so, what happens here, they've just been taught, the disciples have just been taught that the greatest is the child, and now these annoying, loud children show up. What do they do? we got to get these kids out of here so we can have church. And what does Jesus do? So, rest of the verse. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering Jesus, bugging Jesus. That's how you know the kids were wild. Okay, Because the disciples were like, these kids are bugging Jesus. That's how you know something's going on. Verse 14, Jesus said, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the, the, the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And he placed his hands on their heads and he blessed them before he left. So here's my point. Children are annoying. I'm letting that rest. And Jesus enjoyed them. Jesus enjoyed them. Okay. We say, Michael, what are you trying to do with this? Well, let me make some points about kids and raising kids and, and just having kids and being around kids, all right? A lot of young couples are just like skipping the kid thing today. They're like, you know what? We'll get a dog. Now, I figured this out. I know what happened. I spent like 13 seconds one night working on this, and I know what it is. You can put a dog in a kennel. <laughs> you can't do that with kids, at least not and not get in trouble. But anyway, so... <clears throat> Plus that they holler and they can speak and there's a whole lot of problems that happen. Don't ask me how I know. But anyway, I'm just, just kidding. That was a joke. That was a joke. So anyway, so um, a lot of folks are skipping over it. And that's not my point. My point is that children just, are, they're children. They don't get the nuances of life. I mean, you're standing there and you have some important person in your living room, uh, the mayor or some, some you know, dignified person. That, I don't have many dignified people come to my house. But anyway, don't be insulted if you've been to my house. But anyway... You're saying, and your child will come up and they'll say, hey, dad, I got to go poop. 
right there in front of this very, you know, person. You know, they, they don't care about those kind of kind of things. They don't have limitations like that. They don't care if there's someone powerful, a pers- uh, person in the room. They don't care if there's a foot of snow outside. They'll shoot out the door, no jacket, no shoes, and go out to play. Uh, they'll eat pizza for every meal. They just don't get, there's just something childlike that doesn't understand these, these nuances of life. And you can't actually reason with a child. If you want to feel like an idiot, try and win an argument with a three-year-old. You can't have the candy bar. It'll ruin your dinner. I want the candy bar. It doesn't matter. You can't reason with a child. They're like little terrorists, you know? <laughs> you say, Michael, that is harsh. I'm having a little fun try, and maybe working out some of the pain of all these years of child rearing. But anyway, you, if you think you've won an argument with a three-year-old, you're mistaken. That's all, that's all I want to say. Um, just a lot of things about kids I've learned over the years. One is uh, kids are very literal. So when I first started ministry, I used to do a lot of things in kid ministry. Less and less over the years because I'm tired. But uh, I used to do this David and Goliath story. Man, I would get in front of the church and I would act out David and Goliath. It was hilarious. But I blew out my pants one Sunday and I haven't been able to do it since. But that was the funniest time that we did it. But not so much for the kids as it was the adults. But nonetheless. A lot of times though, I, you know... You're trying to explain things to children, and you're trying to use these abstract things that you would use for an adult. You're trying to use these images, and it doesn't work because kids are they're concrete, and they're very, very literal. So all these things are just kind of part of the, the psyche of a child, how, that, how that they work. Okay. Another thing is about kids that I, then this I actually love, they just learn, they have fun at the worst times. You know, you're like, uh, so a couple weeks ago, we had uh, Justin and Angela over, and we were going to do some praying and uh, their situation, and, and Bentley and Cayman were playing together. Cayman's a tw- uh, 13-year-old, Down syndrome. Bentley's six, seven? Oh, I thought, oh, she, was she six or seven? Seven, okay. She's, and, and when they get together, there are no words exchanged. Just giggle. Just giggle. And for all you guys out there that have girls and don't have boys, and you think only girls giggle. I'm here to tell you that boys can out-giggle girls anytime. I'm just, I, you can come to my house the next time I have a guy sleepover. By the way, why do they call it a sleepover? Nobody sleeps when you have a sleepover. You don't sleep, the kids don't sleep. They should call it a grouchover because everybody's grouchy the next morning from not getting any sleep. No, anyway, sorry, I got distracted. Uh, the point is that uh, they were, came in, I mean, yeah, came in and Bentley, we were going to pray, and we were talking about serious stuff, and they came upstairs, and there's, they were started giggling, and then, you know how it is with kids giggle? It, it, there's like, a, someone turns up the dial, and they giggle a little louder, and you're like, well, okay, that's, that's and then, then and there it goes again. So they're like, pretty soon you're at, you're at 10, you know, and you're trying to have a serious conversation, and so you do what every kind, patient parent does, quiet! Okay? They started at two, and you said quiet, and they backed it off to four, you know, and so, and then it started all over again. It's just, it's children, and it's wonderful, okay? Now, it's also annoying to us, but my point isn't about the annoying. My point is, is that Jesus loved this, that these annoying kids that showed up, Jesus loved it. He enjoyed it. What I want you to wrap your heart around is this. God's not annoyed with you. You may be annoying, 
But he's not annoyed with you. If you think the Father is out to get you and punish you, you don't know who the Father is. Because he's a loving and a patient and a kind Father. And that's what you need to wrap your heart around. Jesus shows us this by gathering these children around him and not just saying, be patient with the kids. He doesn't say, learn to tolerate children. He says, learn to be children. This is the doorway to heaven. The kingdom of heaven is through childlike faith, through humility. And so, children are annoying, but Jesus loved that. And so I want us to embrace that childlike idea of faith, that wonder, dare I say that, fun. Fun is like a value for me. It's a value for ordinary faith. It's actually in our values. Have fun. Because I, uh, I grew up un- in unfun faith. And I, I didn't really care for it, okay? It, it, it was challenging it was works is what it ended up being for me. It ended up being effort and works. And so when I discovered the scriptures beginning to teach me about a father who cared about me and a faith that was vibrant and fun, that not only appealed to me, it resonated as true in the scriptures and in my own heart. So as we learn about children and think about children and laugh at some of the things that are childlike, learn to love a childlike faith because a child can trust God when an adult will doubt him. And so we'll jump into Matthew 18. So children, they can be annoying, but Jesus loved it. The next thing I want to show you is that children are vulnerable and Jesus protected them. Matthew 18, 6. If you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sin, it'd be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. I did a, a, a series on parenting a few years ago. And in that series, I did a lot of background work and a lot of study in, in the scriptures and in some works by folks way smarter than I am. And I had a realization in that series, and I wish I'd have had it much sooner, and it was this. Most children are just trying to survive. It's a very, it was a very powerful understanding for me. If you look at a child and, and realize that they're not just trying to drive you crazy, although it can certainly seem it that some days, and certainly some children really know how to push the buttons. But the truth is, they're really just trying not to die. They need someone to take care of them. They need someone to protect them, someone to, to keep them safe. It's always been that way. I, I was a child. My, my younger years were in the 70s. And that was a, I don't know if it was a great time in America, but it was, I enjoyed my childhood. I got to actually be a child. Uh, I didn't have to rush into adulthood, and, and I didn't have to have my innocence destroyed quite so young. And so I loved it. But it was, it was a fun time to grow up. I grew up in, in the South for the most part, Tennessee. It's hot down there. This was we had air conditioners back then, but my parents couldn't afford one, so it was just hot. We had a screen door, which I never understood why we called it a screen door, because there was never a screen in the door, you know? <laughs> and the reason there was never a screen in the door, because some kid was always running in the door, busting the screen out, forgetting to open the door, you know? However, we didn't need doorbells back then, and here's why. You know, nowadays you have the storm doors, and you have that shock, and so you open the door, and psh, sounds like a spaceship closing. We did not have that in the 70s. 
In the 70s, there was a spring. You flammed the door open, you just slammed it open, and it slammed closed, and you knew your kids were home. If it was before dark, they were not in trouble. If it was after dark, they were in trouble. See? Simple. That's a simple time. You don't need an app. You don't need an alert. You don't need a ring camera. None of those kind of things. I missed it. And you always knew when a kid had almost killed themselves because the way they ran in the door, they would be breathing a certain way. <gasps> and they would ask a question that would alarm you like, do you think an arm can go back on or maybe grow back? Jimmy's looking pale. <laughs> ah. Children are just dependent upon the care of others. And so if you understand that uh, the real reasons you can't negotiate with children is because they don't even have that rational part of their mind yet. A, a child starts to develop rational thinking around seven, and with boys it's 27, I think. <laughs> Just kidding. That's not quite true. Get a little true. Anyway. Um, another thing, so Jesus protects them. Another thing I want to talk about before I leave this idea of vulnerability is the idea of expectations or boundaries or... Um, Children thrive under clear expectations. It's like having a, it's like having a fenced-in backyard, you know. And a fenced-in backyard, you can you can let your children play in there. There's the designated area that their toys exist in. There's a measure of safety in that area. It's an area you have checked out and, and made sure that they're going to be okay in. And so that's what expectations are. And so if you really want to have, and this applies way beyond children. This applies in your workplace. This applies in your business. Uh, it applies in, in everything you do. Anybody that you work with, you just need clear expectations. It works great in a marriage, too. If you really want to frustrate everybody, have tacit expectations. What tacit expectations are, it's, it's that I have expectations, and as soon as you fail to meet them, I'll tell you what they are. <laughs> Look we looked around, husbands and wives looked at each other, going, that's how we do our marriage. <laughs> just kidding. That was just, don't, don't get mad. So c- clear expectations help, help, help children know what they can do, what's expected of them. It, te- it teaches them how to not be in trouble. And that, I'm telling you, from a spiritual perspective and a, an emotional one, that, is, that has been huge for me over the last 10 years. It was at some point I had the epiphany, the realization that one of the things that I was struggling with, the insecurities I had, I just always felt like I was in trouble. And my wife and I have had long conversations about this. And it's because there are so many places in life that you don't know what's expected and therefore you don't know how not to be in trouble. What does this have to do with you? You see, God does lay out clear expectations. A lot of people are under the impression that God doesn't like them, that God's just trying to be mean or inconsiderate or take the fun out of life. And and that is not what God is trying to do at all. When God tells you not to do something, what he's really saying is, I don't want you to get hurt. I I don't want you to get wrecked. And, And so when God lays out his expectations in his word and his commands and his laws, he's really just building a nice, safe backyard for you to play in. You see, that's what the Father loves. The Father loves to hear the laughter, to hear the joy, to hear the singing, to hear that giggling that gets more and more valuable as you get older and you hear less of it. You know, He loves to give you that place, that, that truly place of safety to be who He created you to be. 
So yeah, children are vulnerable, but Jesus protects them. And that's very important for all of us to understand. Children need that, and we need that. And so uh, let's wrap our heart around that. Another thing I would throw out here is the idea of support. Um, I'm trying to watch my time here, uh, so that's, that's admirable of me. And I don't really mean it. I don't really mean it that much, but I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. Um, we, we live in a world that has the idea that um, an individual can know everything they need to know all by themselves. And I think that's unfair. I, I think that expectation is unrealistic. You see, there's a season uh, in, in my life where my parents were, were raising me and trying not to ruin me, which is really... To be honest, that's what all parents are doing. They're like, I just don't want to break it. I don't want to break it. Especially dads from the day they're born. Take it. I don't want to break it. Anyway, so, sorry, that's me having a flashback. I'm good. I'm good. But anyway, so there there was a time when, like, my mom and dad were surrounded by my grandparents, by their friends, by their church. They didn't have Google and YouTube to find out how to raise kids. What they had was each other. But also what they didn't have that you have today is they didn't even have the expectation on them that they had to know everything by themselves. They knew they had resources. They could call a a parent, their parent, my grandparent. They could talk to a friend. They could swap up babysitting. They could do all these kinds of things. Why? It's called support. It's called community. And, And see, so yeah, God knows we're vulnerable, But he also means for us to have support together, to be interconnected with one another, to to not just try and be and do everything. And let me tell you, if if that is how you are laying, if you are laying that garbage on yourself, you need to throw it off right now. I'm telling you, you don't have to know it all, okay? You can have support. You can have people around you. You can be a great parent and not know everything. Do you understand that? I don't think you can be a great parent and not know everything, okay? You have a God who loves you and a church that surrounds you. You have relationships in your life. Learn to lean into those and stop trying to be super person, whatever that is. Uh, so we'll get back to super person in a minute, actually. So as you go through this text, though, it gets kind of tough. And, and one of the things you see here is that God wants his children protected. He talks about the angels of those children standing ever before the Father. He talks about, talks about a millstone hung about the neck of someone who tempts one of these children. It's very important for God that children be given God. That they be given the truth. And this is... We need to understand this, okay? As adults, as parents, as, as people who can speak into children's lives, we, we need to understand that we need to give the next generation Jesus. We need to give the next generation faith. Uh, and so we want to wrap our hearts around that, okay? Children are vulnerable, so God is all about that. He's on top of that, and we need to surrender that. So let me jump into Matthew 18.3 now. So children are annoying. I just like saying that. Uh, children are vulnerable, which is true, and also children are quickly fascinated. Matthew 18, verse 3. Then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you'll never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as the, this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. 
So we, uh, we have a different house we moved into last December. It's, it's different. Cayman's room is downstairs. Cayman's our 13-year-old with Down syndrome. Um, every now and then he comes up, and when he comes up, he's not Cayman. And if you call him Cayman, it ticks him off. Okay? He comes up. He is superhero person. All right? You're like, which one? All of them. All of them. Okay? In fact, this morning, as I was telling this story, he started telling me, he started throwing in more. I said, he's like Superman and Batman. He said, and Flash. And, and he started throwing in all, and Spider-Man. And I'm like, you're being annoying. <laughs> he comes up those steps, and he's in his imagination. I'm telling you, we, we really need to stop saying things like, it's just your imagination. Imagination. Do you realize that you came from imagination? You were created in the image of God. God imagined you, and you exist. That phone in your pocket, iPhone, Android, whichever one you have, and prefer and get mad that anyone has the other one, <laughs> it was born in somebody's imagination. Somebody imagined a device that, you would, that would be called a phone that you would never actually place phone calls on. But it started in somebody's imagination. He's coming up the stairs, and in his mind, he's a champion. He's a warrior. He's fighting for right. He's defending the weak. And he's overcoming evil and standing for justice. All in his imagination. That's beautiful. That's powerful. Let them have an imagination. God knew that about us. He knew that we would be that way when he created us. He created us with that. And when Cayman comes up, by the way, I should also let you know, uh, he, comes up with, he comes up with sound effects. Oh, my goodness. That boy. It's explosions and spit. It's awesome. I only have boys. You know, girls, if I had a daughter, I imagine she would just come up carrying conversations on with several other people that aren't there. Why I think that is because my wife does that. She's <laughs> like... Honey, who are you talking to? No one! Or you! I'm like, oh, I better get in there. <laughs> so anyway. So this, um, in this idea of fascination, oh, by the way, before I, I walk in any further, I want to remind you too that in this text, Jesus said that if you accept the child, you're actually accepting me. So back there today, we have all these amazing children's workers and there's a place for you. <laughs> and what they did this morning, when those nursery through second graders arrived, was they welcomed Jesus into ordinary feet. And I'll throw in, there's a kids' church meeting in my house tomorrow night, 7 Big Sky Drive at 6.30. If you would like to welcome Jesus, we would love to have you in this ministry. So children are very easily fascinated and Jesus loved that about them because that is what he wants for you and me. You see, when Jesus was here on earth, he taught us all these beautiful pictures. He told us all these incredible stories. And he invited us to dream. He invited us to imagine a different kind of world. And that is why you and I need to learn to be children. Because right now, we're too adulty. And we don't even adult well. I should probably throw that out there. 
But we're, we're just too adulty. And what I mean by that is we're just looking at all the darkness and all the misery and all the things we don't like in the world, and it just keeps beating us down. You know what I love about kids? You can't keep them down for long. You can, you can upset them, make them mad, tell them they can't have the piece of pizza. Ten minutes later, they're still giggling. They're happy again. They shake it off and move on to the next thing. Because their imaginations at that young age are young enough and pure enough that they don't just start imagining how terrible things could get like adults do. That's what we do with our imagination. Well, this is bad, so it's probably going to get worse. Let me spend all afternoon dreaming about how much worse it could get. You're old. Stop it. Be a kid. Get younger. It's time to start thinking of the world that Jesus described. A world with justice. A world with hope. A world with joy. A world with fun. A world where God is in charge and justice and love are happening. That's, that's what Jesus was doing. He's, he was telling about a, a kingdom of heaven, a new way to live, a new government on earth, a government ruled by God, by Christ, by the Holy Spirit, not by morons. Sorry, I might have shouldn't have said that. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not mentioning specific morons, by the way. If the child in you can begin to hope for a future... To have a vision free of death, free of abuse, free of pain. That's the childlike faith. It's a childlike faith that looks to God and says, God, I know what I can see with my eyes, but I like what you say better than what I can see. Because you do understand that what God's doing by establishing the kingdom of heaven is he's setting up a safe place for us to play. For us to, to be what he has created us to be. So today, this is my challenge. Be a child. I'm not saying be immature, be a jerk, be insensitive, or be a terrorist, or annoying even. I'm saying have hope and use your imagination to imagine what God is bringing to the world, not what everything else is, is already in the world. Stop wasting your energy worrying about things that may or may not happen and start using that energy to see what God sees for us. Be like a child and, 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 and just dismiss all the darkness and begin to hope for all the light. You see, it's this key. In fact, an old a prophet long ago in Isaiah eleven six 6 put it this way. In that day, the wolf and the lamb will live together. The leopard will lie down with the baby goat. The calf and the yearling will be safe with a lion. And a little child will lead them all. The kingdom of heaven is for children. And so let's love our children, let's protect our children, let's teach our children about God, and then let's be children in pursuit of our Father. Let's trust that He is good even though our days are difficult, even though our challenges are large, we can know that our God is still good, that He loves us. And everything He tells us is not to ruin our fun, but to make our fun better and safer and last longer. Let us be children. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you that I get to be a child of God. 
I thank you that even though I don't have the answers, I know the answer. And Lord, I don't know how this message was heard in the room. We've laughed and had some fun. But Lord, all of that will be wasted if we don't learn to trust our Father with a simple childlike faith. If we don't learn to let go of the the imagined control that we have and go after the one who's in control of everything. I pray that out of this you would help us to to turn from sin, turn from the things that are hurting us and destroying our lives, and to turn to Jesus as as children, just open-handed going, I don't know what to do, Jesus, but I know you do. Will you bless me? And Lord, just like in that passage in Matthew 19 where those parents brought those children to Jesus and, and he blessed them all. He blessed them all before he left. Would you walk this room right now in the Spirit and would you bless all the children? Would you let them know that, that you love them, that you enjoy them, that the things about them that they don't like about themselves, they are not off-putting to you. And you, would you step in these, in our messes and just be a God to us, be a father to us. Please set any life in this room free that will run to you. Let them be free. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stand.